You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Hey everyone, welcome to Midweek Service. I am so glad that you have joined us. Um, just want you to know, first of all, that during noon prayer today, we prayed for you. We believe God. You know, Jesus spoke to the storms and they ceased. And we're believing God uh, also tonight. So uh, I know if you're watching this live, there's reports of things going to be going on. But uh, you have confidence in the name of Jesus. The Bible says he'll perfect everything that concerns you. He will perfect everything that concerns you. Uh, we have authority in the name of Jesus, and we pray no harm would come to your property, uh, to your physical body, and just believe God with us. And so we release our faith right now for uh, protection for you, and that he'll perfect everything that concerns you. Amen. And so uh, I wanted to bring the word to you. You know, I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to live stream now. And uh, a lot of people understand how to um, receive live stream because I just really want to get you the word of God. And I believe we need a constant flow of it during this season. And so on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about uh, faith, unfeigned faith. And so uh, we're going to continue along those lines. Um, I don't know what this one is, 21, 22, somewhere around in there. But let's believe God together. I believe that you're going to receive. So Father, we just come in the name of Jesus. I ask you to think through my mind, speak through my lips. I believe it speak as the oracle of God. I thank you for the grace of God that's on my life. I rely heavily on that grace. Holy Ghost, you're the teacher. So I ask you to teach through me and I pray that everyone that is watching right now, that they would have eyes that see and ears that hear and heart that really understands. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Last week, uh, we began to look at um, the difference between unbelief and doubt. Uh, you know, in our circles a lot of time, you'll hear people say, well, you need to not have any doubt and unbelief. And they run the two of them together. But really, those are two very different words. And, you know, as I minister to Cornerstone Word of Life Church, uh, most of you, uh, you know, you love the Lord. You all love the Lord, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. You know some things about faith. You know how to receive from God. So um, really a lot of times, most people that I am ministering to and teaching the word of God to, they don't really have a problem with unbelief. There's two kinds of unbelief. There's an unbelief that just rejects the word of God, rejects Jesus himself. And then there's also an unbelief that is created because of ignorance of the word of God and God himself. So there's two kinds. Um, one is um, someone who's heard the word of God and purposely rejects what the Lord said or what the word of God says. So they reject, maybe reject Jesus as savior. They would reject that healing is available today. They reject that um, all parts of salvation are available today. So they have unbelief, you know, uh, unbelief. Jesus uh, talked to the disciples about it after his resurrection. Remember, uh, Mary came back from the tomb and told everybody Jesus is alive. And the Bible says they did not believe her. And then the, the two on the road to Emmaus came back and reported to the future apostles. He's, they're like, uh, we saw Jesus and they didn't believe. 
And Jesus upbraided them, the Bible says, the King James says, because of their unbelief. And then he said, hardness of heart. And then you remember the children of Israel. Out of they, after they came out of Egypt, they were to go into the promised land. But they re- re- believed the report of the ten and they rejected the word of the Lord. And so uh, the Lord, we see this in Hebrews chapter three and four about how the children of Israel couldn't enter into the rest of God. They couldn't enter into their promised land because of their unbelief. And God called it evil. The Lord had already done all those things for them. They came out with silver and gold, none sick or feeble among them. He brought them out, you know, and and they saw the works of God and yet they rejected him. He called that unbelief and he called it an evil, that uh, evil report and an evil heart of unbelief. So unbelief is has an evil heart to it. Um, it has a hardness of heart to it. Um, it's a rejecting, you know. Uh, John 16, 7 talks about the Holy Ghost coming Verse 9 of John 16 says, of sin, because they believe not on me. That, that is unbelief. That is because they believe not on me. Unbelief. And yet there is another kind of unbelief. And before we, uh, you know, as we're reviewing, I want to remind you of it. You know, the Apostle Paul, he went about, you know, uh, putting uh, the Jews in prison, standing there as uh, Stephen was uh, stoned. He gave approval to that. Uh, He had letters in his hands on the road to Damascus to do whatever he wanted, basically, to Christians, those that were in the way. And uh, he goes on to say this later in 1 Timothy 1.13. In 1 Timothy 1.13, he said, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. And he was all those things. He said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So unbelief can be on person. Uh, You know, you got the disciples in unbelief Uh, after Jesus had told them over and over again, you destroy this temple. I'm going to raise it up in three days. Uh, Everything they just went through with him in the garden, especially Peter, James and John, should they have known. But they they couldn't believe what Mary said. They couldn't believe what the two guys said. And then remember later, you know, here Thomas was not there and we call him doubting Thomas. But really, that's the wrong word for him. Uh, It was he was in unbelief. He said, I will not believe. See, belief is a choice. Paul here did it ignorantly and in unbelief. In other words, he didn't really know. He, he was really doing what he thought he should do. But uh, the, the 12, the 11 that were left, the 10 that were in the upper room, uh, you know, when Jesus appeared, uh, you know, like he upbraided them because they should have believed. And then Thomas, who wasn't there and the and the apostles were like, hey, we saw the Lord, but he didn't believe either. And because and they should know how that feels now that uh, Mary told them the two on the road to Emmaus told them and they chose not to believe. And so they're trying to tell Thomas, yeah, it's the Lord. He said, I'm not going to believe, not until I, until I thrust my hand into his side, put my fingers in his nail prints. And you know what Jesus did? He's so merciful. He's so kind. He's like, all right, go ahead. And he said, you know, uh, he, 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 he did chastise him too. And he just like, you know, don't be unbelieving, but believe. Blessed are those who believe who have not seen. And that's you and that's I. So, and that's me. So the truth is this. Um, unbelief is definitely an issue. And that comes from the word, um, let me get you the, 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 the word that it is. Uh, unbelief is ap- apostia, and it means faithlessness, and it means disbelief. And so we began to talk about, if you were here last week, and I've caught you up a little bit, even if you weren't, we began to talk about doubt. We begin to talk about doubt. 
And so I want to remind you that word is diakrino, and it means to withdraw from, it means to hesitate. And so Jesus said this in Mark eleven twenty three in way of review. He said, Whatsoever, whosoever shall say this mountain be removed, cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Notice it says doubt in his heart. What does that word doubt mean? It means to stagger. It means to waver. So you and I who believe the Lord, who, you know, most people uh, that I minister to on a regular basis, they believe what salvation is and all that's inclusive, healing, doing well, protection, all those things that salvation is. We believe that has been provided. Why do not more people walk in the fullness of their salvation? Why do not more people walk in the fullness of God? Because faith, we know, is receiving. You received your salvation, so you can receive all the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You and I are in Christ Jesus. The promises are for us. We've been redeemed from the curse because Jesus became a curse for us, that the blessings of Abraham would come upon us by faith. We receive Jesus as Savior by faith. We receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. Everything we do, we receive from God. So where is the, what's the issue? Why do you and I sometimes not get the answer, receive the answer, not walk in it? Because uh, whatsoever things we desire when we pray, we believe we receive them and then we, and we have them right then. Not waiting for a manifestation. We know we have them. But when then what does the enemy do? He tries to bring doubt because this is the case here. Jesus said, if you'll not doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say, and it, that whatever you say will come to pass. So we're talking about uh, doubt, wavering, and I want you to see that it's in the heart. Where, because faith is of the heart. It's of the cardia. It's of the center of you. And so what the devil needs to do is sow some doubt in your heart. Um, doubt present does not mean the absence of faith. Let me say that again. Doubt present in your heart does not mean the absence of faith. But if you study the word of God and what we're going to do, you'll see when doubt is present, it overtakes the faith in your heart. In other words, you can't be operating in faith and doubt at the same time. Just throw it to you. We'll get it later. But James said by the Holy Ghost for us, he said, um, you know, a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. How can he receive Receive, what is that faith? Anything of the Lord, right? Well, let's go ahead and look at it since we're here. James chapter one. James chapter one. Verses six through eight. It prefaces in verse five, talks about wisdom, but anything you need from God that he provides. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. What is that? That's the word doubt. That's uh, diachrono. Uh, for he that wavers, diachrono, is like the wave of sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man, a man with two mindsets, is unstable in all of his ways. So two mindsets, a mind of faith and a mind of doubt. Uh, a mind that, yes, I believe, and a, and a hesitation. But understanding this, that faith is of the heart. Your mind has a lot to do with it because it's part, you know, it's part of your soul, which is the cardia, the center of you. But faith is of the heart. Faith is of the heart. That's how you receive from God. And so 
Jesus said, don't doubt in your cardia. Don't doubt in the center of you where faith comes from. Because when you do, things happen. How do we know that? How do we know that? Well, remember, we looked at Peter walking on the water. Matthew 14. 30 through 31. Here, uh, we'll, we'll read this and then we'll recap a little bit. But uh, Matthew 14, 30 through 31. It says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried saying, Lord, save me. And aren't you glad that you can cry that? And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, thou of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? Why did you doubt? So this is not unbelief. Peter, you remember there was a storm. Uh, Jesus told him to go to the other side. They were going ready, getting ready to get the next city ready for Jesus to come to. And then what happened? So in the middle of the night, a storm arose. And then Jesus is walking across the water. One account of the gospel says that he would have walked by them, but they called on him. And so Peter, of course, is calling out, hey, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. You know this account. What does Jesus say? He says, come. And so what does Peter walk on? Well, he's walking on the word of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So they're up in a ship. He puts his legs up over the thing. Uh, he's a fisherman. He, he knows you can't walk on water. But in that moment, he is in faith. He is in faith. And so he gets out of the boat and he begins to do what? Walk on the water. He's walking on the word. He's walking on the will of God. He's doing something supernatural because the Lord, he knew what the will of God was come and he walked on that. But then what happened? It says in verse 30 again, but when he saw the winds boisterous, what does the devil do to you and I to sow doubt into our life? What, what does he do? He wants us to see something. He needs our senses. The devil needs our senses to get involved. He wants you to see something. He wants you to hear something. He wants you to feel a certain way. You know, it's not because you're in unbelief because you have started off in faith. You prayed, you believed, uh, you had hands laid on you. You received the power of God, but this is the deal. So he saw the wind boisterous and then what happened? So something happened through his sense realm, which is where the devil works. Satan is the God of this world. And what happened? He was afraid. So he saw something and then he got into the natural and he was afraid. Fear is like faith to God. Fear is to the devil. He needs you to be afraid. You should fight fear morning, noon, and night. You should not be afraid of anything. You should not be weighed down by anything. Cast your cares on the Lord. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. You should keep fear so far away from you. It is a faith killer. It is where the devil operates. And he began to sink and he cried, Lord, saving me. And then at the end of verse 31 again, he said, Jesus said to him, oh, thou of little faith. And I believe that word little there is not the amount of faith he had, but the duration of faith. Listen, Peter, dude, walked on the water. He walked on the water. There's Jesus and there's Peter walking on the water. Peter walked on the water. He had faith. How could you say that he didn't have any faith or that, you know, that his faith didn't work? His faith absolutely was working, but it only lasted a little about of time. What caused his faith to go away? You cannot have faith and doubt present at the same time. The doubt overcame his faith. It doesn't mean he wasn't in faith. It doesn't mean he wasn't wrong. It doesn't mean he wasn't worthy. It doesn't mean this was the will of God so that it could be 
accounting here, the will of God would have been for Peter and Jesus to walk to the other side and leave the rest of them in the boat. But Jesus said, why did you doubt? Why did you have diachrono, to withdraw, to hesitate? Why did you stagger? Why did you waver? And so that's really important. So again, let's go back to James 1 and 6. James 1 and 6. Let's look at this a little more thorough. But let him ask in faith. You and I know how to ask in faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Verse 5 is talking about wisdom. God has wisdom. If you need some, ask him and he'll give it to you and he won't find any fault. But here, so then he says, if you're going to ask, because remember what we said, uh, you don't have because you don't ask. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and his words abide in you, then you ask what, what you will. And it's all through, especially the gospel of John, is it seems as though even though he knows what we have need of, we have to ask. And when we ask, we ask in faith, believing. Believing that whatever we ask, which is the will of God, this is the confidence that I have in him, that if I ask anything uh, according to the will of God, I know that he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, I know that I have the petitions that I've desired of him. I know I got it because I ask in faith. Now, when you do that, you've got it just then. But then what does the devil do? What does life do? What does living on the earth do? It tries to sow doubt into you. Nothing, what, ask in faith and then don't waver. What will the devil send? He will send things to your sense realm to make you doubt, to make you question, to make you waver. For he that wavers is like a sea driven in the wind and tossed. And then verse seven, verse seven says, for let not that man think you can't see, you can't receive anything. And then he just said it, anything from the Lord, anything. So it's not okay. Well, it's just normal to have doubt. My spiritual father used to say this, and I really never understood it thoroughly until I guess last night even I just had another revelation of it. Because um, he used to say this, you can, you can have doubt in your mind and still have faith in your heart and receive the answer of God. But what you cannot have is doubt in your heart. You can't let the doubt that's in your mind, the devil attacks your mind with a thought, a thought of doubt. Uh, a reminder of a pain in your body, a reminder of something going on in your bank account, something out here that triggers you to doubt what you're believing. Yes, you can have doubt all surrounding you and even have a thought in your mind, but you absolutely cannot let doubt in your heart if you want to receive from God. Because if you doubt in your heart, if you waver, you can't receive anything from the Lord. You can't, you know, some people think balance would be, well, a little bit of faith and a little bit of doubt because that's normal. That's wisdom. You know, you got to be skeptical. No, not with God. It's got to be 100% faith. It's got to be zero doubt. No doubt in your heart whatsoever. Because when that, when that doubt gets in there, it overtakes your faith. It's not the absence of faith. The presence of doubt is not the absence of faith. It just takes over your faith where your faith cannot receive from God. So says the word of God. Verse number eight says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How can he receive? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A, a, a two-minded, a, a, a man with two mindsets. So yes, it's important to renew your mind because if you can combat the doubt in your mind with the word of God, then it has less chance to get in your heart. 
and has less chance. But faith is of the heart. We've gone over and over this. Faith is not of the renewed mind. Uh, you need to renew your mind because this is the reason. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You have to understand that it is important to get doubt out of your mind. But, but if it gets in your heart, uh, you can't receive from the Lord. All right, let's look at some other things. Um, Romans chapter 4, talking about doubt which is probably the thing you and I deal with more than unbelief. Someone who comes in new uh, to the things of God, maybe grew up in a, uh, uh, a church not like ours, not hearing the word of God like I grew up in. Maybe they do have some unbelief. Um, I had some unbelief when it came to finances. I had some unbelief, you know, uh, different thinking when it came uh, to uh, other tongues, uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost. I had some unbelief that was taught to me or shared with me uh, through family family members and friends. Um, and it, some of it was ignorance and unbelief. And some of it was just, I don't believe that. And so uh, God had to work that out with me. And, you know, when Jesus was um, on the earth in his ministry, when he went to his hometown and they didn't believe, the Bible says uh, he went about in the villages round about teaching and preaching. So the cure for unbelief is the word of God. It's teaching and preaching, the anointed word of God. And so uh, some other things about doubt that we can see that will help us is found in Romans chapter four. Uh, this is where, you know, um, uh, our, you know, Abraham and Sarah receive Isaac. And so it says this, Romans 4.19, and be not weak in faith, Romans 4.19, and be not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. So listen, you and I are always considering something. Why are we considering something? Well, the devil wants you to consider your body because what will that do? It'll produce doubt. And what will that do? Um, well, it'll cause your faith not to work. It says when he was about 100 years old and either yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So their, 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 their bodies are saying no, but God has said yes. And so they had to get rid of, they couldn't be, uh, they had, in order to be strong in faith, they, had to not, they couldn't consider the doubt that was coming at them because of their body. Abraham believed God, I believe, from the moment God spoke to him. It took Sarah a little bit longer. But she did get there because she, Hebrews eleven eleven it says she counted God faithful and, and had strength to conceive. To, she, was, she was able to do it because she counted God faithful. So what are you considering? Well, they either had to consider the word of the Lord or consider their bodies. If you consider your body, what does that do? Even if you believe something, it brings doubt. What does that doubt do? It, it strangles your faith. Verse 20. Verse 20 and 21. It says, he staggered not at the promise of God. That word stagger is our word doubt. He didn't doubt uh, from the promise of God or through unbelief. He, did, he had neither. And this is a place where it is both. He, he did not have a doubt and unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. All right. Verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. So I, I want you to understand that, that we're, I wanted verse 20 there where it says he staggered not at the promise of God. So the promise was there and he didn't stagger. He didn't waver. He didn't ha let doubt come in at all. He was strong. He was strong. He, he, he decided one thing. So it's there. Now I wanted you to see some other things. Um, that maybe um, you, you, you know, maybe hadn't considered some other places this word doubt or stagger was used. 
And so um, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, I just want to give you a clear, full picture, because if you understand what doubt is and how it was used in the word of God, then you and I can get free from doubt and walk in the promises of God and receive everything that God has for us. Acts 10, 20, Acts 10, 20. Uh, well, verse 19 says, Peter, remember, Peter's on the rooftop. The Lord says, rise, kill, and eat. And he says, uh-uh. And then Peter, while he thought on the vision, verse 19, the spirit of God said to him, behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, get you down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So what is he saying? He is preempting the natural human tendency to doubt. The way it works in this world, skepticism, questionings, wonderings, considering all the possibilities. He said, and, he, and remember, Peter's just had this supernatural experience where God is telling him the Gentiles are not unclean. And he's giving, getting ready to send him to the Gentiles, right? And so while Peter thought on the vision, the Holy Ghost had to say, okay, there's three guys seeking thee. What is that? I've sent them. This is happening. Three guys made it clear to him. Now you rise and you go. You rise and you go, but don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. That's, that's our word, diacrino. Don't doubt it. For I have sent them. Well, what does this have to do with me, Pastor Mark? I'm just telling you, even supernatural things, uh, you're laying out on the floor in the Holy Ghost. The power of God is, is vibrating through your body. You can still get up and doubt. And everything that just happened, you won't receive. You won't. Peter just had one of the most powerful visions that anybody had in the word of God. God is saying the Gentiles, I want to reach them. And he gave him this thing. And then, and then while he's sinking on the vision, the Holy Ghost said, I have personally sent three men have come to seek you. Because at the same time, remember what was going on in Cornelius's house. And these guys came from there. And he said, um, this powerful thing has just happened and all this. And so most people think, well, man, that was so powerful. I'll just do anything and I can believe anything. Well, it wasn't true for him and it's not true for us. We have to understand that doubt can begin to happen the moment an usher picks you up off the floor after the power of God is working. And even after you've exercised something, you have to understand the devil will immediately try to sow doubt in you. But you've got to, if you know it's coming, you can say, uh-uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna yield to that. He said, Jesus said, go with them, don't doubt anything. I have sent them. Or he could say to you, don't doubt anything. My power was administered to you. And by the stripes, by my stripes, by the stripes of Jesus, I have healed you. Go your way, doubting nothing. Go your way, doubting nothing. The power of God is working in you. Or whatever it is, when you tithe or when you give and you have, you know, do it. And the power of God comes into your life, into your finances. Go, just do it, doubting nothing. Amen. I don't know about you, but that blessed me so much. Now, um, I want to look at this. Um, I want to look at Romans chapter 14. Now, this one, you're going to have to stick with me a minute. I'm not going to keep you too much longer. 
But I do want to get to this. Um, you know, two years ago before the pandemic happened, the Lord gave me this scripture and I fully didn't understand why he was giving me this scripture back then. But now I totally understand it. But I, but I want you to stick with me because and, and say, why is he going here? But the, the punchline is at the end. I'm going to read it to you out of the King James. Maybe I'll read it to you out of the Amplified Classic and uh, the New Living. Uh, but in this passage uh, of Romans chapter Uh, 14 verses 17 through 23. In verse 23, it talks about our word doubt. Diacrino, right? That's our word, right? Diacrino. So it talks about that in verse 23. But first let's look at it. We're going to look at um, Romans 14, 17. You all know this scripture. For the kingdom of God is not meat, and drink, but is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And we use that all the time. In context, it's, this is what it's talking about. For he that is, for he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat, uh, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eats with offense. It is good. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby the brother stumbles or offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he has alloweth. He that doubts is damned if he eat because he eats not in faith for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So let's do this. Let's look at the New Living Translation next. Follow me along. I really want to make a point here. I think this will help so many people. So let's look at this. Uh, Romans 14, 17 in the New Living. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. Verse 21, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Now, before we look at the Amplified, before anybody goes crazy on me, if God has said something is a sin. So you cannot replace adultery here with eating. You cannot replace fornication here with drinking wine. Okay? He, he, is, he is saying something, and this will help us in the time that we're in right now. So let's look at this. We're going to look at it. Just take our time here a little bit and look at the Amplified Classic, Romans 14, 17. After all, the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting the food and drink one likes, but instead it is righteousness, that state which makes a person acceptable to God, and heart, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He who serves Christ in this way is acceptable and pleasing to God and is approved by men. So let us then definitely aim for and eagerly pursue what makes uh, for harmony and for mutual upbuilding, edification, development of one another. 
You must not, for the sake of food, undo and break down and destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed ceremonial, clean and pure, but it is wrong for anyone to hurt the conscience of others or to make them fall by what he eats. The right thing is to eat no meat or drink no wine at all or do anything else if it makes your brother stumble or hurts his conscience or offends or weakens him. Your personal convictions on such matters, exercise them in God's presence, keeping them to yourself, striving only to know the truth and obey his will. Blessed, happy to be envied is he who has no reason to judge himself for what he approves, who does not convict himself by what he chooses to do. But the man who has doubts, misgivings, an uneasy conscience about eating, drinking, any drinking wine here. So I'm talking about other things. Uh, I would put medicine, um, anything along those lines. Then the, a person, it says that man who has doubts, misgivings, uneasy conscience. So remember, if your conscience condemns you not, you have confidence before God. But if your conscience condemns you, well, just before we go on, we're, we're, we'll, we'll leave that. And, and I, I'll keep going here in a minute. But your conscience is not just formed only by the word of God. Your conscience is formed from everything you hear. Your conscience um, you, your conscience is very important. It's also a part of your cardia. It's the voice of your cardia. It's the voice of your heart. But your conscience is also informed by podcasts, by, by news reports, by uh, true uh, facts. It, it forms your belief system. And if your belief system is formed from something other than the word of God, listen to me, please. If, you, if your belief system is formed by something else, if you start making the, uh, the minor things, big things in your life, it is going to cause doubts in your heart. But listen to this. You do what's right, verse 22, before you and God. When it comes to eating meat, when it comes to wine, um, when it comes to anything. But what you should not do is push those personal beliefs that aren't in, carried in the word of God clear and concise. Don't push that off on anyone else. Because verse 23 again, let's read. Romans 14, 20. But the man who has doubts. So if you have concerns about a certain thing, misgivings, an uneasy conscience. Doesn't mean you're right or wrong. It just means that's where you're at. But what? watch this. But you go ahead and, per, and do it perhaps uh, and then eats perhaps because of me. So this is talking to the person who is like, you know, uh, I don't care if that uh, steak was sacrificed to an idol. I know that's a wooden thing. I am not going to let a, a good um, uh, uh, T-bone. I'm not going to let a, a good New York strip. I am not going to let that go by the wayside. Um, I am going to eat my ribeye and uh, I have no problem with it. But if I'm sitting next to someone, they're like, don't you know that was sacrificed to an idol? Don't you know? Don't you know? That's horrible. Then what should I do? I should not eat that in front of them. I should take it. I should get a, a to-go box and take that home or throw that one away and then go order another one and take it home. Right? It says, but a man who doubts misgivings and easy conscience about eating and then eats perhaps because of you stands condemned. What happened? That doubt 
condemns your heart before God because he is not true to his convictions and does not act from faith. And then everybody quotes this part, but it says, for whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. Because you hear people, especially around our camp, whatever is not faith is sin, but what does that come from? That comes from a strong believer or a believer with a certain bent when it comes to food and drink and, and many other things, medicine, whatever, puts that off on someone else and that person does what the seemingly stronger person does and it causes causes them to doubt because they have misgivings and then it condemns their conscience before God and doubt is mixed in and it causes their faith to go away. It causes their faith to be covered up for whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. Whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God is sinful. Why did I bring this up? Because I watched so many people. Um, you, you have to have your own relationship with God. You have to know. Now, listen to me. Again, don't anybody take this and say, well, Pastor Mark said, as long as my heart doesn't bother me, I can have all the adultery I want. That is not what Pastor Mark said. That is not what the Bible said. That is a lie. That is greasy grace. That is grace with, you know, um, that's grace gone awry. That's just wrong. You don't have, you cannot, I, I, you know, I'm just going to live, you know, just be my conscience before God. No, if the word of God is written and it says this is a sin and it's the Bible, New Testament is full of that, what that is and the works of your flesh. No, you cannot just decide I'm going to do that. But the point is when it's in this area, your convictions, your uh, heart has a lot to do with it. And the interesting thing is here, it says the man who has doubts, and it's our word. It is, uh, it is our word. It is uh, doctrino. It's the same word. But the same thing it does, though, these doubts, then, it, it, it says what it does. It says that anything that is not of faith is sin. They do it, but, and they're acting on something that their heart is not coming from a place of faith. It's because, because somebody else is doing it. It's because somebody else is doing it. And that's what I wanted to get to. Again, like even when I said corresponding action, remember we talked about those things. But if I'm just doing it because I saw somebody else do it in faith and it worked for them and I just copy it, really it's more than wrong. It's really doubt. It really brings a, a condemnation to my heart. And for me, it's really bad. And it really does the opposite. It really messes with your faith because you're not doing it by faith. You're doing it because somebody else is doing it. And that's why I wanted to bring this up. So in everything, but I, I do know this. I do know this clear. If it's in the word of God, we don't get to decide what we do and what we don't do. But when things are for us, for personal things, um, and, and God deals differently with different people at different levels. But it's here, it's how, you know, the kingdom of God is not uh, food and drink, but it's righteous. This is what the kingdom of God is. It's righteous, peace, and Holy Ghost. Because back in the day, before Jesus came, it was about food. It was about drink. It was about don't eat this. It was about don't drink this. It was huge. And then, you know, you got the food sacrificed to idols. So the Holy Ghost through the apostle Paul had to deal with this. But what is relevant to us is not whether you um, are a carnivore, you know, you eat, food, eat meat or you're a vegetarian or a pescator. I don't know what all those things are. Anyway, uh, um, you know, 
where you're at. But if someone is uneasy with it, if they do it anyway, it creates doubt in their heart. And really for them, it becomes sin. This is a big deal. So what am I saying? When it comes to the current climate, don't push your beliefs off um, about certain things onto somebody else because you could get them into real trouble. Do that. The Bible says do that before you and the Lord. Now, when it comes to what is written in the word of God and helping people with exactly what is written, you do that all morning, noon and night and do it twice on Sunday. I mean, just do it. Help people. Give them the word. But this is important. This is this this thing about doubt is so important. You know, um, you know, you can tell you and I can tell if doubt has gotten into our heart. Let me just tell you some signs of doubt really quick. Uh, God's word will quit coming out of your mouth. What will come out of your mouth is what you see. What will come out of your mouth is concerns. Um, I see the wind. I feel the, the pressure. I feel depressed. Um, I feel like this is never going to be over. I feel, I feel, I feel, I think. Those words are real clues of you are yielding to doubt. Let me tell you what I think about it. Well, Quit doing that and say what God says about it. And what will that produce? That'll produce faith. So remember, where there's doubt, your faith can't work. Where there's doubt, he can't receive anything from the Lord. So where is the, one of the quickest ways to check is what's coming out of your mouth. I feel, I think, I wonder, I hope. There's a lot of I in there too. Instead of, well, God said, the word says, the Holy Ghost said, that's, that, that's where you know your faith is working. Um, how else do you know whether there's doubt present? Well, remember uh, the apostle Paul told us about Abraham. He said, Abraham staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So when you believe something and doubt is not present, then you're going to be given glory to God because you know the answer is already there. And it's a sign where there is no doubt. There's lots of praise. There's lots of glory. There's lots of honor to God. And the other thing, you know, rejoicing with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end. So another thing that's present um, when you're in faith is joy. When doubt is present, what, what, what's present? Fear, uh, uh, anxiousness. You know, the other thing when faith is present, remember Hebrews talks about a place called rest or peace. Peace. So signs of faith are the word of God coming out of your mouth instead of what you think and what you feel. Signs of faith are uh, giving glory and honor to God instead of um, uh, being concerned over the circumstances you see. Uh, when, when joy is present, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. There's no fear. There's no dread. There's just joy. And there's also great rest and great peace. Those are all signs you're in faith and that doubt has gone far from you. I want you to know that the, you know how to believe God. Your faith works. And if you just get a hold of this about doubt, because I believe this is my problem, your problem, not the problem of unbelief. But doubt is such a sneaky little thing. And that little thing gets in and it, and it takes over our life. But we don't have to allow it in. No doubt. So I'll tell you this. What you and I need to do is starve our doubt. Feed our faith 
and watch God work. I'm really glad that you uh, joined me tonight. I trust you're all well, whole, um, good things are happening for you. And so you'll be here Sunday at either 9 or 11, and we'll see you next time. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.